This is going to be a fun one. I, oh, God. I just have to... I'm not apologizing. <laughs> I'm not apologizing. But I have to preface that, like, this one gets me mad like nothing else. Yeah. And I've been pretty mad for the past, like, few episodes. But this this one just... Whole nother level. Whole nother level. Like, it's sure. just... Wow. So... It's gonna be fun though. It's gonna be good. Leave the dog alone because the dog didn't do a damn thing, and now you're trying to feed him your body. Thou shalt kill all of your friends. And a dog fish a tampon out of the garbage. And right to bubble pages and pretend like you will. A dog. Wow. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Straight Up Evil. My name is Jocelyn. I'm the brunette. We've got Carly. She's the blonde. Oh, hey. And the return of Katie, the redhead. Hi. She's here with us. All three of us are here because we have stopped in to talk about a topic that we have been hinting at for, I don't know, a year, something like that. We had to get this pissed to be able to tell this story. Mm-hmm. So yep. we are talking, of course, about Casey Anthony. This will be the first episode of a two-part series on her fucking lion ass. And we will, <laughs> <laughs> and we will come back next week uh, with with the second part because as we said this is a huge story so quinnies let me ask you starting out when i say casey anthony what's the first thing that comes to your mind satan (laughs) satan anthony casey anthony when i think of her is actually one of the first trials and crimes and things cases that started to really get me really becoming obsessed. Yeah. There were there were famous trials before that, before her mm-hmm. time, well before her time, that I was interested in and that I was like, oh, I really like crime. But her case was like, put me in the middle of the jello pile, like right there in the middle of the yeah, jello, baby. you know? Yeah, like yeah. I definitely was more like interested in like, every part of the case like the investigation the quit like the trial like everything where like before when we were younger like John Bonet Ramsey the OJ trial like that was all good and like well and good but I wasn't as interested from the beginning like yeah right whole story you know it was a lot of coverage too I mean, yeah. it was like yeah. full full total full coverage yeah yeah but, I yeah. feel like uh we know that this is like, this was right after Scott Peterson. Mm -hmm. And this is like the next big, like all of America watching this trial, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always think of college when I think of Casey Anthony. Really? Because I think of like, there are certain, there's a whole bunch of reasons why this story makes me uncomfortable. But one (laughs) of them is how much it reminds me of being 20 years old. Some of the things, some of the scenarios and the situations that happened with her parents and with her friends just remind me of being like a fucking idiot, 20 year old. 
and like just make just straight up making bad decisions good thing I never made this bad of a decision but like but I mean you know the circumstances surrounding it I feel like really remind me of being young um and dumb so for those of you who do not know or can't remember because you're consumed with anxiety because it's 2020 and we just can't (laughs) get this year to end Casey Anthony was a 22-year-old single mother who was charged, prosecuted, and acquitted of first-degree premeditated murder of her own daughter, Kaylee Marie Anthony, uh, from 2008 to 2011. Casey was repeatedly called the most hated woman in America, namely by Nancy Grace, of course, the most hated woman in America. Um, Casey really faced the trial by media scenario that's bemoaned by Scott Peterson, OJ Simpson, Amanda Knox, Brett Kavanaugh. They all claim to have been tried by the media. But what makes Casey Anthony unique is the age of her victim, the hundreds of thousands of dollars and taxpayer money and hours wasted when she lied to the police. Over and, and over and over, over and, and over and over, and over, and over again. Mm-hmm. And the unbelievable mm-hmm. level of media attention that she got and still continues to receive to this day. In fact, Casey Anthony, had it not been for COVID-19, Casey Anthony was set to executive produce a film about telling her side of the story called As I Was Told. And it was rumored to be very salacious, several sex scenes, violent, and it was going to tell her side of what ultimately happened to her daughter. But it's been scrapped due to COVID-19. So I guess we'll never know what really happened, Gwynise. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) First of all, she does not deserve to get money from this damn shit to begin with. Like, Like, no. What is Get our out. world coming to? Okay. That, that is something that we need to remember here is if you're going to acquit someone of a crime, then what you're basically saying is, okay, they've been found not guilty, but also now they can make money off of telling that story. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so fucked up. So yeah, right up top, Casey Anthony found not guilty in a court of law acquitted of all charges well of some charges of major charges she was found guilty of lying to the police because she did lie to the police but big whoop yeah (laughs) yeah but no one has ever been convicted of the murder of kaylee anthony so infamous investigators like jim clementi who does the whole uh investigative series on john benet he does the investigative series on the forgotten West Memphis three with the child murders in Robin Hood Hills. He maintains, we don't know the full story. We need to look into it more because no one has ever been charged. I mean, well, no one has ever been convicted is what I mean. Right. No one has ever right. gone to jail for killing. For this little girl's death. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so Some people believe that justice was served in case Anthony was acquitted through our judicial process, which is required by our legal system. That's how it goes. But for us, we really don't believe in coincidence here on Straight Up Evil. So love Casey Anthony, hate Casey Anthony, or really hate Casey Anthony, 
our aim in this series is just to show you every misstep, every tiny little uh, twist and turn in this story in the course of the investigation. We want to talk to you about every time that Casey Anthony had the opportunity to tell the truth and did not, oh, and uh, to lay out the circumstances so that you, our audience, can make the final determination. So because this case is so huge tonight, all we're going to talk about is the disappearance and the investigation. That's it. That's what we're going to go through because this is thick. This shit is so thick. Mm -hmm. Next week, we'll talk about where Casey Anthony came from. We'll talk about what happened at her trial and we'll talk about um, what happened after our trial. So we're gonna start tonight with Casey Anthony at 22 years of age. At this time, she has a two and a half year old daughter named Kaylee Marie, born on August 9th of 2005. Go ahead, if you're uh, listening to this, this uh, podcast on your phone or at a computer, go ahead, look up a picture of Kaylee Anthony. She's um, so cute. She is so cute. Just a, a very like melcher, just melcher. Oh, how adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Kaylee's father had never been present in her life as far as we know, but we will talk more about him in the next episode. So it's June 9th of 2008. Casey and Kaylee have been living with Casey's parents, George and Cindy. So all four of them have been living in the house. Casey does have a brother, Lee, but he doesn't live there. So the four of them have been living in the house. On June 9th, Casey and Kaylee move out of George and Cindy's house and move in with Casey's ex-boyfriend, Ricardo Morales, and his friend, Amy Hoizenda. So she's out. She's moved out of the house. She took the kid with her. There's not a whole lot said about June 9th. Um, about what actually happened that day. So she's gone. She's staying with a ex-boyfriend with the kid. That's what she's decided to do. The following weekend on Father's Day, June 15th, Cindy takes Kaylee and brings her to the assisted living facility where Cindy's father is living. So they go for a visit and then Kaylee and Cindy come back to the Anthony house and go swimming in their above ground pool in the backyard. So that night, Casey and Cindy get into a bad fight, really bad. Um, she basically challenges Casey's parenting skills. Um, she, Cindy tells Casey, you know, you're not a good mom. You're not doing a good job with this kid. You're not doing what's necessary. She ends up with her hands around Casey's neck. Um, and in the course of this fight, Cindy says, she's gonna, her and George are gonna take Kaylee away from Casey because Casey is not fit to raise her. That is the gist of this fight. George, as he always seems to do, gets in the middle of these two trying to kill each other and he stops the argument. So they must have stayed over that night because the following morning um, is the Monday, June 16th, Cindy leaves for work. She's a nurse. She leaves early in the morning and she leaves Casey Kaylee and George at the house. Casey also gets up for work and she's got to take Kaylee to the babysitter. So George says he last saw Casey and Kaylee leave the house at 12.50 p.m. and George himself leaves for work at 2.30. And that is the last time that anyone in the Anthony family sees Kaylee Anthony. So over the next month, Cindy calls Casey multiple times and wants to talk to Kaylee and she doesn't. 
Casey says she's either not there, she's with the babysitter, or she says that she's asleep, or she says that she's at an amusement park because they're in Orlando, Florida. So she's at SeaWorld, Disney World, Universal Studios. Every time it's a different, oh, she, oh, Kaylee can't come to the phone because she's out having fun. Um, and Casey maintains, you know, I've had to bring her to the babysitter a lot because I'm really, really busy with work. So now we're at June 30th of 2008. A white 1998 Pontiac Sunfire is considered abandoned in a check cashing services parking lot in Orlando, Florida. This vehicle was impounded and considered abandoned at this time. This is Casey Anthony's car. It's registered to her parents. Again, this just so much reminds me of being 20 years old. The car is registered to her parents, but she is the one who's been driving it around. And she's left it. It's been abandoned in a check cashing parking lot and the parents don't know that the car has been abandoned yet. So the car is just sitting there. At this point on July 3rd of 2008, we have some uh, copy that Cindy Anthony wrote on her MySpace. So for My those space. of you who are out there who remember MySpace. <laughs> oh, uh, so funny. Um, Cindy Anthony writes that morning, my Kaylee is missing. She came into my life unexpectedly, just as she has left me. This precious little angel from above gave me the strength and unconditional love. Now she is gone and I don't know why. And Cindy goes on to say, what does a mother get for giving her daughter all these chances? A broken heart. A daughter who stole money, leaves without warning and does not let her mother now speak to the baby that her mother raised, fed, clothed, sheltered, paid her medical bills, etc. So Cindy Anthony posts this on MySpace on July 3rd. On July 7th, Casey Anthony posts to MySpace, on the worst of worst days, remember the words spoken, trust no one, only yourself. With great power comes great consequence. What is given can be taken away. Everyone lies, everyone dies. Life will never be easy. Okay. Like what is she, what is she even going on about? Like, stop. This is not dissimilar to people on Facebook making veiled statuses about each other and then just making them back and forth and back and forth. Like they're not specific. Yeah. They're not specifically calling each other out, but they're just putting this all on the internet for reasons that don't, that don't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. For attention. Yeah, for the drama. Absolutely. Also, what's funny is MySpace used to let you, um, you know, on Facebook, they'll let you be like (laughs) feeling anxious. MySpace Mm -hmm. used to let you tag, well tag, it's just such a modern term, but they used to let you pick out um, like what you were watching at the time. So like, if you had been watching a movie, you could be like, I'm watching this movie. Um, and it would show you like the little thumbnail of the movie and you'd be able to, you know, they have the year Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Casey Anthony, after she writes that fucking MySpace post notes that she's currently watching American Psycho, which is just like, (laughs) it's almost like too cliche, but it's just so like for any of any people who are horror fans out there, it's just like perfect. 
perfect yeah. perfect one to pick perfect one to pick considering you what you just did <laughs> um so on july 15th george is at the house and he receives a certified letter notifying him that the pontiac sunfire which is in both his and cindy's name is in the city impound so he and cindy go to retrieve the car and meanwhile they haven't seen casey in a month right so Casey's the one who's been driving this car and presumably Kaylee's the one who's been riding in the car. So they immediately are like, oh my God, something happened to them. Yeah. Like they're hurt somewhere. So they're under the impression at this time that Casey and Kaylee were going on like a mini vacation to Jacksonville, Florida, which just makes me think of a good place. Yes. Um, but they're, <laughs> they're just on a mini vacation <laughs> to Florida, to a different part of Florida, to Northern Florida. And they find out the car is there and they're like, oh my God, something like something really bad happened. They could be in the hospital or like maybe, you know, they had an accident and, and no one was able to notify us. So they're panicking going over to this place. And then on top of all of that, they get there, basically Cindy drops George off and George goes inside to get the car. And as soon as he gets the keys and opens the front door, he is hit with a smell. Now, George is a former cop, so there's no mistaking what he smells. And he knows that that is the smell of a decomposing body. That's a body. That's a dead body. 100%. No, no questions asked. Soon as he opens the door. So the guy from the impound is there. And the guy from the impound is like, it smells bad, right? And George is like, yeah, like it smells like a body. And the guy from the impound is like, oh yeah, funny story. One time, one of the, a car got towed and impounded and there was a dead body in it. Someone had died in it. So the guy from the impound also knew what a body smelled like and also agreed that the car smelled like a dead body, okay? So now we've got two dudes standing there being like, oh fuck, we should probably open the trunk. Now, George asked george is such an interesting character george mm. asked the impound guy to basically open the trunk with him so or just to be there with him when he opens the trunk because who knows god only knows what's going to be in the trunk and yeah. he just he asked him to stay with him while he opens it and so the guy does and they open the trunk and they find garbage bags filled with rotting pizza and maggots in the trunk. So the attendant takes the bag out and throws it in the trash. Like just, I know okay. I can see why at this point you're not thinking about destroying anything, but I really would love to have fucking had forensics go through that bag. That I want to know why. Great. If he thought he smelled a decomposing body, he didn't call the police soon, like before this, like instead of waiting for them to get the certified letter about the car, if he knew, oh yeah, that one time there was a dead body. So like, it smells like that. So maybe call the police to check it out. And then this, the car smells like a dead body. So let's just throw everything out that was in there. It's um, just like uh, Jody Arias where they vacuumed all the blood out and cleaned all the yeah. you know the rental car it's <clears throat> the trash was just a cover-up to hide the smell of the dead body 
definitely what I think definitely but I still feel like we could have just gleaned at least something from that even from the outside of the bag I just feel like we could have got something from it but no the attendant pulls it out and throws it in the trash but the car is also out of gas which is fucking the running theme for Casey Anthony is running out of gas which I I think maybe once in my life I've run out of gas. Have either of you ladies, is that like a recurring thing in your life that you routinely normally run out of gas every day? No, I, no, I don't. I have to say I, I have never run out of gas, but that is because I am absolutely bonkers about not letting it go like under a quarter of a tank. Because mm-hmm. I can't. I won't be able to live with the anxiety of what to do if I run out of gas. <laughs> oh, yeah, like. so you're, oh, so you're a normal person, Carly, is what you're trying to say. You're a normal <laughs> fucking functioning adult a female functioning okay. person. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Congratulations. Because this chick runs out of gas 24 seven. More than anyone I have ever met runs out of gas. No, I'm starting to get my blood starting to get warm. It's boiling. Reaching the boiling point. Oh, I can't. The father, the the uh, impound attendant, everyone sucks. You do. Don't everyone the father, the father was a cop. He was a cop. Even if he wasn't a murder, a homicide detective, he was a cop. He knows there's protocols. Like maybe don't throw out the damn bag, whatever, whatever. This is the biggest like (laughs) bummer about this whole fucking case, to be honest with you, is that the parents are even involved. Oh, it's rough. Yeah. The fact that the parents are even involved just fucked everything. Like just completely fucked everything. Yeah. So Casey Anthony, in addition to running out of gas, she has quite a history with this car. Okay, so first of all, so she runs out of gas all the time. George goes as far as to fucking purchase gas cans and keep liquid gasoline in his garage so that he can go fucking bail her out. Okay. Enabler. Enabler. Then From the get. <laughs> Casey. And her little boy toy, who we'll talk about in a little bit, once broke into the garage at the Anthony's to get the gas. The liquid backup gas. They had to have it. So they they break into there. George (laughs) starts being like... I have to get the police involved. I'm going to file a police report. Somebody came into our garage, stole our gas cans. Casey shows up with the empty, they're empty now, gas cans and throws them at George and goes, here's your fucking gas cans. (laughs) What a brat. I can't. It's just beyond. She also routinely took the easy pass lane with no easy pass. So they're getting letters in the mail about this fucking <laughs> Pontiac Sunfire 24-7. She was. So Cindy Anthony is fucking livid pissed about this car. First yeah. of all, you got to go to impound and get that vehicle. That's a thousand bucks right off the top. Boom, done. You're paying just to get the car out. Then it has no gas in it. 
Then you don't know where Casey is. Then you like she Cindy is and weird smells. The garbage. And Cindy doesn't even know about the smell yet. She just knows the the fucking car got impounded and I just had to drop your father off there to go get it. She doesn't even know yet. So she's livid. She starts calling Casey. Casey doesn't pick up the phone. She starts calling all of Casey's friends being like, what the fuck? Where is she? And Cindy learns that Casey is at her sometime casual hookup buddy met three weeks ago's house dude named Tony Lazaro from Long Island. He's down there because he's going to the University of Central Florida. But he and Casey have the, the dude got with this chick like three weeks before all this shit happened. It's bad timing. It's really bad timing. It's it's, it's hard to even call him her boyfriend. So I know I feel kind of bad for him. I do yeah. too. I do That's too okay. in a weird way. Um, but he is, he does remind me of Jason from The Good Place. I'll tell you that. That's how I picture him <laughs> in my mind. Yes. Um, oh my God, that's funny. Yes. So, so Cindy drives out to Tony's apartment and fucking comes to the door and confronts Casey and is just like, listen, the vehicle has been impounded. Your father, I just had to drop your father off to go get it. We're completely done with your shit. I don't care if you're not coming home. You're not getting the car back, number one. I don't care if you're not coming home. I know for a fact that you've been stealing money from me. You've been using my credit card and you've been writing bad checks. Give me, Kay- Give me Kaylee and I'm done. Give me the baby. Let me take her home. Let me put her in a stable environment with her grandparents where we can care for her. And you just do whatever the hell you're going to do. Yeah. I, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And Kaylee is not there. So she can't go with Cindy because she's not there. So eventually Casey agrees to go home with Cindy, leaves Tony's house, gets in the car with Cindy. And as soon as Cindy's in the car and the first 911 call of the day happens. So the first 911 call is on the way home from this apartment. Cindy wants Casey arrested for stealing the Pontiac Sunfire for stealing money by way of bad checks for credit card fraud and for stealing money from the account that's funding the assisted living situation for Cindy's father. Oh my okay, God. Okay, so class fucking <laughs> act right here. Yeah, really. Oh God. Real taste, a lot of taste. Stealing from your yeah. elderly grandfather. Like, like beautiful. Real Absolutely cool. beautiful. The second 911 call is when Cindy and Casey arrive home and Cindy is frustrated because the police aren't there yet. So she calls them again. The third 911 call is the one where Kaylee is finally reported missing. And she's not reported missing by Casey. She's reported missing by Cindy, who basically wormed it out of Casey that Kaylee was missing. If this hadn't happened, if this vehicle was not impounded, if Cindy didn't go to Tony's house, how long would this have gone on? It's so sickening. It's so incredibly sickening that it went on as long as it did to begin with. And you're right, like it could have just kept going and who knows what would have happened. And also it reminds me a lot of, like when we were talking about um, during the Scott Peterson, Lacey Peterson episode, when 
the spouse or the person closest to the victim isn't the one calling 911. Yes. I don't understand it, but every time we see that, all signs point to that person being the main suspect. Hello? Heard she didn't call 911 about her own daughter missing. The grandmother did. Scott Peterson doesn't call 911. He lets the parents do it. That's right, Carly. That's 100% right. Yeah, it's a big, it's a huge red flag. It's a huge sign. Mm -hmm. For sure. You are not, like, no one will ever be able to convince me that you just don't call the cops for 31 days while your baby girl is God knows where. You never, sorry. No. And I I also think that it's, but I also think that it's fishy that the grandparents took so long too. I think that she... Of course, obviously wanted to give her daughter the benefit of the doubt that Kaylee was still around, Mm -hmm. but I'm sorry when your daughter is going weeks, two weeks or two and a half weeks, and you haven't seen your grandkid, you're going to like really, really start to really be fucking freaking the fuck out. I feel like, and I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like it's a little fishy too, just how long they like waited too before anybody said anything. Yeah. Not even like they wouldn't have necessarily even had to have like called and reported her to go missing. No, but, but they would have like I, gone to Casey and been like, where is Kaylee? Be fucking we want to have her over. Her. We want to keep her. Where is my granddaughter? Crazy. I want to see her. Like I haven't seen yeah. my granddaughter in two weeks. Like I want to physically see her. Where is she? Like I go to the babysitter, it's, you know, especially like, when they had had the argument over Casey's, you know, not being bad parenting. Yeah. And especially when as close as they were, because the parents had her all the fucking time. The grandparents had the little girl already because Casey was already always out all the time and always gone. So the parents already were pretty much huge part of raising her. Like, yeah, completely huge part. And, and what the hell See, but this, this is also, this plays into my entire overarching theory for what happened to this kid, but this time period is like a cat and mouse game going on with Cindy and Casey. They're writing MySpace messages about each other. They're shit talking each other, probably to the dad, probably to the brother, probably to the cousins or the aunts or the whatever. They're doing this like, well, she says that I'm a bad mom. Well, she was a really bad mom to me. And, and, oh, well, she says that she has a car and a job and whatever. We give her that car. We raise that child. It's a whole dramatic, uh, uh, this is a web. Pointing fingers. Yeah. Yeah, Pointing the finger. It's similar to like, almost like a, not nearly the same kind of type of case, but it's the similar dynamic of like, say a like gypsy with her mom, like that, Mm -hmm. that whole like back and forth of the like control, like a girl coming into age kind of, and the mother like being, and they're just kind of going back and forth. It's like that similar dynamic. Absolutely. Go ahead, Carly. I was just going to say, and again, like we'll, we'll talk about this more later because it comes up a lot. Like, as far as everything that I've seen, Cindy and George were total enablers for Casey. 
throughout her whole life. And then when she becomes an adult and she's not stepping up to the plate and she's a mom herself and like, isn't doing what she needs to do. Like from what they can tell, they still don't even really do anything until it's already too damn late. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Like I've seen this in my personal life with people that I like other people that I, you know, friends or whatever, who just like their parents let them do whatever for so long. And then it becomes a point where like, nope. And now I want you to do this. Like, well, you never, you never had to be held accountable for anything they had to do before. Why all of a sudden now? Ever did. Yep. Yep. And I think it's kind of like, that's kind of like part of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she had an incredibly, incredibly long leash. It seemed like there was no, absolutely no recourse. We'll, we'll see as a child. And even as she comes up as a teenager, there are a lot of red flags that they are just roundly ignoring. It seems to be embedded in the fabric of that family that we are not going to fucking talk about the issue. We're going to, you know, maybe Casey Anthony, by all accounts, by the the people around her, believed that she was a good mom, believed that she was attentive, that she was good with Kaylee. They clearly loved each other. Kaylee was always a happy, healthy kid. People really believe that. So maybe the issue is not Casey Anthony is a bad mother. Maybe the issue is I'm a better mother than her. Right. This mm-hmm. dynamic with her mom, her mm-hmm. whole life, I, I, I would not be surprised if the withholding of the kid is something that she has either threatened or at least done once before. Definitely. Keeping the kid away from the grandparents just to be, just, just to spite them. Yeah. As like a spite. Yeah. One way to to hurt them. Yeah. Just a way to hurt them, you know? So maybe that's why they didn't report it, but Katie, I completely agree with you. Like it is fucking, it's sketch as fuck that a kid you just don't see your your grandkid for grandkid a month. that you're so close to yeah so so detective yuri mellish is the first one on the <laughs> scene and he is the first one to question the anthony family once the cops finally show up uh george straight up told the detective in that <laughs> it, in that first initial interview we got the car back from impound today and it smelled like death And George told him, you know, I'm a former cop and I'm telling you right now, that's exactly what it was. So Casey, on the other hand, delivered the same story over and over and over again. So Casey says that she had last seen Kaylee on June 9th when she dropped her off at the babysitter's apartment on her way to work at Universal Studios. Okay, so we know that's not true because she was at the Anthony house on the 15th and 16th, but this is what she tells the cops. She tells them that the babysitter's name is Zenaida Gonzalez (laughs) Fernandez. Is it Gonzalez Fernandez or Fernandez Gonzalez? Gonzalez. Hmm. We're going to call her Zenaida. Yep. (laughs) And she was the babysitter for Kaylee Anthony. She said that uh, she's known her for about one and a half to two years. And she lives in the Sawgrass Apartments in Orlando in Unit 210. Casey goes to pick up Kaylee on June 9th and no one answers the door. And Zenaida does not answer her phone. So she goes over to Blanchard Park where Kaylee and Zenaida go sometimes. But again, they're not there. So Casey goes to Tony's apartment. 
she tells the police that while she was staying there, she was conducting her own investigation. And I'm like, excuse me, but you do not podcast on straight up evil. So you could not <laughs> possibly you know, effectively the conduct your own investigation. On a okay? No, come on. So she says, no, I didn't go to the police. I didn't call the police. The police are like, yeah, but why wouldn't you get us involved? She said that she had seen on TV and in movies, which are clearly a window into real life, that people <laughs> often hurt, uh, people often get hurt once law enforcement gets involved. Oh. And she didn't want that to happen to Kaylee. So she felt much safer trying to find Kaylee on her own. Complete BS. Complete really bullshit to that is the, the top to of the, the bullshit. Couldn't be we more full of shit. Could oh not be God. more full of shit. Uh, the detectives are like, okay, let's, uh, we would love to talk to the babysitter. Can you give us her number? And Casey says, yes, I can, but I don't have it memorized. It's on my phone and my phone, I left at the office at work. Let's give you a little bit more background on Zenaida. Uh, the cops continue to question Casey and say, okay, well, if we can't call her, can you tell us a little bit about her? Maybe we can, you know, uh, go to her house. Maybe we can talk to her a little bit, give us some background. So Casey says that she met Zenaida through a former coworker of hers or a current coworker of hers named Jeffrey Hopkins, who had worked at Universal Studios. And Jeffrey had a four-year-old son named Zach, who had been in the care of Zenaida. And that's how Zenaida was recommended to Casey to watch Kaylee. Like I said, she'd known her for a year and a half to two years. And uh, Casey said that she had contacted Zenaida's mother, Gloria, but she can't provide detectives with the number. Sure. So at this point, the detectives are just like, okay, let's go to her apartment. Let's go to our apartment. Let's let's go to our apartment. Let's go to Universal Studios. Let's go get your phone. Let's talk to your coworkers. Like, let's do all of the things, right? So they say, Casey, can you direct us to the, the babysitter's apartment? And she she responds, I'm pretty sure I can. <laughs> okay, so this is only where you've been bringing your kid for the last year and a half, but you're pretty sure. I'm but pretty sure. Okay. I'm pretty sure I drew a map on the back of a fucking Napkin. X marks the spot so I can find my kid later. On a nap. I'm pretty sure that I could possibly could possibly bring you to the apartment, but I'm smart enough to do my own investigation. Yeah, I can't find the apartment, but I'm conducting my own investigation. So, um they go to the Sawgrass Apartments, they go upstairs to Unit 210, and they find that it has been vacant for over four months. So at the time, the cops don't know that. They don't know in that moment, standing in front of the apartment that has been vacant for four months, but they do know it's vacant now. So in theory, if you were going to take Casey Anthony at face value and believe that someone stole her child, it does make sense that the person would pack their shit and leave. It's not the weirdest thing in the entire world that the nanny has taken off. So the cops are going, okay, well, there's no one here. Um, well, what about her mother? You know where her mother lives? And Casey says, yeah, she could take you to where Gloria, Zenaida's mother lives. 
and she takes them there and it is an assisted living facility. They go and they speak to the assisted living facility in their capacity as detectives and they find out that no one by that name has ever been a resident of this uh, assisted living facility. Now, is this the same assisted living facility that her grandfather lived in? I wanted Do to we find know? that out really bad. I wanted to find that out really bad, but I can't, I cannot yeah. find the name of either one. Right. Cause she doesn't think, cause she wasn't there anyway. So it doesn't even matter. Right. So the police bring Casey back home and now it's the wee hours of the morning. They haven't charged her yet. As far as they're concerned, they have a missing child. They have to regroup. Um, they drop her off at like three o'clock in the morning and George comes out again and talks to the police and says, he has quote unquote bad vibes about the entire thing. And he, he says, he's like, Casey has been lying to us repeatedly and please continue to investigate this. And that just makes me super, super sad. Like so sad. that just breaks my heart. Like just the idea of a grandfather standing out on in front of his house at three o'clock in the morning, talking to the police, like, please find my granddaughter like that's so awful and please keep investigating because my daughter is a liar because it's my daughter <laughs> like because yeah uh, so um the next morning cindy and casey spend the entire morning making pages for kaylee so a facebook page myspace page they're sending out group text someone is taking kaylee um and they're doing this together is it confirmed it, that Casey was doing it with Cindy? Yes. Who confirmed this? Hmm. The enabling mother said that she was there with her because I call bullshit. <laughs> Sorry. Hmm. I'm already calling I bullshit think, on there. Huh. You know. I was she physically in the house? That? Fine. Was she, was she physically next to her? Like sitting over there on her phone or sleeping on the couch maybe was she out there on the computer typing up and making all the missing pages no <laughs> yeah I can see why you would think that I I really can like because she's never made the effort to do fucking anything, anything like that mm -hmm. anything anything to find her daughter let alone um do something like that but I do my only counterpoint to that would be that I think somewhere in this awful dynamic between Cindy and Casey, this is like kind of what Casey Anthony has wanted all along. I think her kid got a lot of the attention that she wished she was getting herself. And so once the kid is out of the picture, she can actually like do something with her mom or like be in the position where her mom is paying attention to her instead of paying attention to the kid. Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of, it's a totally fucked up thought, but that's yeah. what makes me think that maybe she, maybe she did that with her just to be like, well, it can be about me now. Mm. It doesn't have that to be sense. about like, that makes sense. Yeah. you know, like, and, and just she, oh God. It seems like I she wants that from both of her parents too. Yes. Yeah. I just wish I could have been a fly on the wall when Casey Anthony said, mom, someone took Kaylee and saw the expression change on Cindy's face and knew right away, like that's, I'll exploit this. 
people are going to be hanging on my every word. Like, yep. yeah, Forever. no, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe she made Facebook pages with her, maybe not, <laughs> but they were made that morning. And then at noon, she gets picked up again by the sheriff's department. But it's good to point out that over the next few months, 4,200 volunteers from the area look for Kaylee yeah, in the surrounding crazy. areas all around the Anthony house. Um, Tim Miller, our man, Tim Miller from Texas EquiSearch, uh, he gets involved, he stays involved, um, just as he did with Vanessa Guillen, which is, you know, that's such a great organization. If you can ever support, Love. ever got a couple he extra, deserves it. yeah, yeah, support. Yeah, he, he totally deserves it. Totally deserves it. I think I saw on the news the other day that his daughter has just been exhumed for the third time really yeah wow that's rough that is rough that is really rough i mean good for them for still trying to find answers but yeah. that's rough yeah it really is so sheriff's department 12 p.m picks up casey anthony drives her to universal studios to get her phone but <sighs> her phone has been stolen <gasps> She just remembered. <laughs> no. So she, no, 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 no. So she just remembered it was stolen, not like, oh no, I found out it was stolen just no, now. It was stolen. Shut up. Wow. She just remembered and she filed an oh. incident report at work about it. So I can't. So they get to Universal Studios and she's like, oh yeah, I lost my badge. I don't have my badge. She loses a lot of things. She loses, she a, loses lot a lot of things. Kids, badges, phones, cars, cars garbage, respect, yep. respect, <laughs> gas. I don't know. So, the ability to play hard to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Oh. Yeah. So, they get to the front desk and well, first of all, they get through security basically only because she's standing there with two cops, right? So they let her in <laughs> and there's a child missing. So they let her in and Casey uh, gets through also, security we with have the cops. To, we do have to side note too. We totally have to side note right now too that she was totally like the flirting type that was like always trying to seduce all the men and be really Jody Arias. Jody Arias all over again, like trying to charm every single man that she possibly could. And sometimes it may have even worked in her favor a little bit, like literally. Like not too much. This, but like, like if this was, bit. oh, for sure. Like if this was yeah. Stranger Things, Jody Arias would be in the Upside Down and Casey Anthony would be in our world or the other way around even yes. like they're they yep. are totally a mirror of each other yes totally yep. they really are yeah oh my god that's actually kind of awesome to think about like a freddie versus jason but it's casey versus jody oh shit what's uh, right i bet there's like a porn out there that is that oh, so. god. um but anyway so uh <laughs> So they're at the front desk at Universal Studios and Casey's like, I lost my badge, but I work here. 
And they're like, no, no one by that name works here. But again, two cops with her and there's a child missing. So they just let them in. They're like, whatever. She goes, check again. Check like, again. Whatever. It's there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know, she said it with like such disdain. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I work here. You need to check again. You need to do your job a little bit better. And you need to check. Again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they let them in. And Casey is walking down a hallway <laughs> and she's seeing people and she's going like, hey. And they're like. Hey, and they're visibly like, do not recognize her. Hey. I just imagine her doing like the queen wave. Yeah. Like, uh, or a hair flip at least. She's supposed (laughs) to be leading the detectives to her office, but she's just leading them down this hallway and finally- That has like a dead end. She comes to a dead end literal it's like such a metaphor for her life she comes to a dead end and she just turns around and she goes okay so i don't actually work here the lie lie detector test determined that that was true (laughs) uh yeah so guess what guys casey anthony did work for Universal Studios, but she yeah, was like, fired on April 4th of 2006 for a no-call no-show, and this is July 16th of 2008. So for the past two, two years. years, Casey Anthony has been leaving for work every day and taking the baby somewhere and then coming home from work every day what the fuck was she doing? What could she possibly have been doing for two years? And how is that like not, that's more difficult than just getting a job, no? You would just to keep up the lie and keep the facade. And then she's like, oh, I'm so busy at work all the time. Constantly being like, oh, work is just killing me. Like, where did she go? What was she like, what was she doing? I don't understand that. I mean, like, was she ever drug tested? So the police ask her point blank if she's ever used drugs, taken drugs, whatever. Ask her if she's ever been um, to Lakeview, which was a mental health facility in the area. She Mm -hmm. denies all of it. And by all accounts, even like people who knew her were like, she was that like rude. She was that rude, like overbearing friend who yelled at you for smoking weed. Okay. Like that, that's the type of person that she was like, not, Ew. not a drug, not involved in drugs at all. But I don't know if she was ever specifically piss tested, maybe when she was brought in, but mm. if she was, there was no significant, nothing to report. It's like, what the hell was she doing? What the fuck was she doing for two years? And where was the baby? Yeah. yeah. And why did they not have any evidence of any of that time either? Like. I know know, like surveillance and technology like wasn't as good back then, but still like, why don't they have any recollection that long ago? Right. Like why don't they have that many, like they should have more information about what she was doing with all that time. Or even like, because it was for such a long period of time and because she had to go to work so often, you would think she would be like, 
a regular somewhere. Like, you know what I mean? Like if she's like going, you know, maybe she's going to a friend's house or whatever, but like at some point she's probably like also like wasting time at a coffee shop, like wasting time going here. And like, someone would have been like, I see her every day or I see her every Wednesday, Thursday yeah, or whatever, exactly. you know what I mean? But they don't, but they don't because we don't, so we weird. will never, like, we will never know. Maybe once her fucking movie comes out. Ew. Ew. Wicked but, strange. But like, if we, I just don't, that, that part really escapes me. Um, but it's all starting to fall into place now, right? That uh, running out of gas all the time is because she can't pay for gas, right? Because she's not working. Uh, Casey's out, stressed out and doesn't want to deal with the baby. So she leaves the baby with the parents a lot of the time because she says that she's stressed from work, but really she's a 22 year old with a two year old. So it's, it's starting to fall into place. Yep. This on the surface is very, very odd, but not that difficult to figure out. Mm-hmm. she's lying to her parents she's she I don't know it could have been one of those situations where your parents are like yes you can live at home but you have to have a job yeah I mean that was basically told to me since I was 14 mm-hmm. so like you know what I mean like you will have a job you will have a job you will have a job you're not gonna like not have a job yep. um so maybe it was that type of situation but yeah so she's god knows where she's been for the last two years with the kid Um, And not for nothing, there's something to be said for having the opportunity to be with your baby for those first two years. Like she had, she had the chance to do that. And it's just another red flag. Another another red flag. flag. Unbelievable. You don't want to be around your fucking brand new baby. Like, well, not brand new, but I mean, pretty fucking brand new. Pretty much the whole time of her life. Because exactly, because and those first years are the most crucial. They always say, you know, as far as like how quickly they go by. So you don't want to miss a single moment, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Um. So Casey told the cops before they got to Universal Studios that she had told two of her coworkers at Universal about. Kaylee being stolen. She told Jeffrey Hopkins and she told her other friend, Juliette Lewis. <laughs> the so, actress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, Jeffrey Hopkins did work at Universal. Uh. But he was hired in 2002. And he also has no children. So that four-year-old child named Zach who recommended the babysitter is not a real child. That's a complete and total fabrication. <laughs> Additionally, Juliet Lewis doesn't exist. I mean, she does in our hearts as a, as a brilliant actress. Um, but she doesn't exist in the Casey Anthony sense. And Casey Anthony came up with a whole backstory of her life. So she told the police that like Juliet was born in New York to an uh, to an, a very upscale family. Nope, too many, too many, too much information. And she moved to Florida, and she and she was an event coordinator with Universal Studios. But then she decided to leave Universal Studios two months ago and go back to New York to be where where she was from with her upscale family. So when did you tell her about Kaylee missing? Yeah, no, so like, exactly. Every <laughs> that time doesn't really come up a lot, it flips. you know? And then cut, like, 
then she's confronted and it flips and she's confronted and it flips. She's just, she's like also a like, skipper. It's just like you're, t- you're giving too many details. Like the liars give too many details. That's wh- mm-hmm. like, that's how you get like, come on. No, Ugh. no. And I was starting to get pissed at this point in the story. I'm like, where is the detective who's like fucking no we are done get your fucking ass into holding sit in there talk to no one and think about what the fuck is going on like yeah why are they letting her gallivant all around florida and do this but um listening to uh true crime garage's coverage of casey anthony nick very best those guys just kill it i every time um Nick very astutely points out that they are giving her enough rope to hang herself. In other words, they want her to just keep talking and keep incriminating herself for as long as possible to get whatever they can out of her. Um, That's very true. So I I hadn't thought of that because this whole time I'm like, like someone be like, no, cut the shit, cut the shit. Um, so at this point they do arrest Casey for child neglect because she failed to report that her kid had been missing for a month. Um, so they arrest her for that and they hold her for that. So she sticks to the same story that she's had and she is assigned a public defender, but she asks for a private attorney and she contacts a family member and asks for Jose Baez by name. And he's a criminal defense attorney at this time in Kissimmee, Florida. I don't know how she got that name. She, uh, I saw on one of the specials on Investigation Discoveries mm-hmm. um, series um, that she got it from someone on the inside. She got his name from someone on the inside that if you were in really, really like big trouble, that he was a good person to call. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so Baez goes on to represent Aaron Hernandez, be involved in the Aurora shooting, representing two of those victims um, and their families. So he he's a very prominent attorney and he definitely made a name for himself in this case. He is yeah, very, Casey very Anthony good. was like his, she was his breakthrough yeah. case. She's mm-hmm. just, she boomed his fame. Yeah, he, I mean, and he is a, he's a very good attorney. He's a total, uh, like showman. He mm-hmm. reminds me of the Menendez brothers attorney, Quinny. Mm. Um, uh, Leslie Abramson. Yeah. Uh, so he maintains at the time when he got this case, it was just a child neglect case. So he was like, okay. He had no idea that there was any media associated with it. He goes to the um, courthouse and they set her bond at $500,000. And he's like, what the hell? For a child neglect case? I've never heard of that in my life. Like, what do you mean? And it starts unraveling and he actually starts getting filled in and he's like, oh shit, this isn't a child neglect case. This is a missing child with the mother as the prime suspect. This is totally different than what I thought I was getting myself into, but he's in it now, right? So he's talking with Casey Anthony and Casey Anthony... (laughs) tells him perhaps my favorite lie of this case which is that she was approached by an inmate 
while she was in holding and they mouthed the words timer 55 to her. Now this was significant to Casey because her Facebook and MySpace passwords were both timer 55. So this is why Casey Anthony thinks that this is important. So Casey Anthony says that <laughs> she was with Kaylee and Zenaida on June 9th of 2008. Again, this is not possible because she was seen by both of her parents on the 15th and the 16th. However, she says it was the 9th. She says that Zenaida put Kaylee in the car. And when Casey asked what Zenaida was doing, she said that Casey was a terrible mother. She got in Casey's face and she said that she was going to teach her a lesson. So I don't know about you girls, but this sounds exactly like the fight she got into with her mother a week later. And she's mm -hmm. just using the details of that story in the situation, but whatever. Yep. So uh, Zenaida said she's going to teach her a lesson. So she said that she would give Casey further information soon and to change all of her social media passwords to timer 55. Casey said that it was 55 days from the last time that Kaylee was seen, which is, so she said that it was 50, 55 days between the last time Kaylee was seen and Kaylee's birthday, which was August 9th. So she still maintains that the last time that she saw Kaylee was June 9th. <clears throat> but 55 days back from the birthday on August 9th is June 16th. So again, it just doesn't, it's fuzzy math. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not, yeah. this is not working out for her. So no. she says that Zenaida would routinely post instructions to Casey's MySpace and Facebook page and then delete it because she had access to her account because she knew her password was timer 55. So, so. Digging so, and digging and digging and digging yourself and just digging yourself and just digging doubling, yourself. tripling like, down, like quadrupling down. Like for what? For just why? For like, why? At this point, her attorney is like, no. <laughs> nope. Shut up. Lose the nanny story. We're done with it. Zanny I don't believe you. Zanny the nanny. I don't believe you. Get Zanny rid of it. Get rid of it. I don't want anything to do with it. Don't believe you about the babysitter. Don't believe you about the kid being missing. Tell me what happened right now and we will build a defense around what actually happened. That's a good fucking attorney. Mm -hmm. And she just clings to the same story that she's told the whole time. She will not admit a fucking thing. She is a fucking steel jaw trap. So this I have a theory is about that. You do. I do a little, a little bit of a theory, not like okay. a huge theory. I think the reason she just kept on with the story and like kept doubling down, like whatever, like stubborn, I think is because she probably did this a lot in her personal life with her parents. And eventually they probably just were like, okay, fine. I don't want to argue about it, whatever. Like not about Kaylee specifically, but like any, anything. anything. And she would just like stick to her guns until they would just leave her alone about it. And I feel like that's probably like what she's trying to do here. Yeah. Hmm. 
because she's never been in any trouble. She has no criminal record whatsoever. And she's young too. She's 22. So you're right. She probably just thinks that she could just, and as we have seen in many serial killer cases, as well as in modern American politics, if you lie hard enough, people just, people just, people just, there's no one expects you to be lying like that. Nobody right. expects you. No, no one expects it. So that's what she did. Um, this is a weird ass thing. Cindy contacts Jose and says, okay, first of all, the kid's missing at this point, right? <laughs> Cindy contacts Jose and says that they were going to plant a memorial rose bush for Kaylee in the backyard. And Cindy needed Casey to tell her, quote, exactly where to plant it. So Jose was like, okay. And he took the information to Casey who gave him no response. <sighs> Memorial Rosebush for the kid who's missing. Okay, number one, mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. Number two, you like they can, we've see, all seen the tapes where the Anthony's go visit Casey Anthony in jail. Like you can ask her herself. Mm -hmm. um, but she does it through the attorney, which is odd. That that uh, that is just weird as fuck to me. I don't get that. Also, at all. like, is it a code? Like, what are we? Oh yeah, you know? and I I pick up on a lot of that in their conversation when she's in and mm -hmm. she's talking to the parents. She's like coding talk with her mom. Like, there's mm -hmm. like some definite like, oh, Something, I know. Like, I yeah. have a feeling that she's safe, mom. I have a feeling that she's safe. And like the mom's like leaning in, like looking all close to yeah. her. Yeah, the I whole feel conversation makes me clean. so enraged. The whole conversation makes me so uncomfortable. No, it makes me so mad. The whole time, all she cares about is herself. All she 100%. cares about is herself. You don't know what it's been like for me. You don't know what I yeah. have no control over everything. You don't know how oh, yeah. I feel. What am I doing? It's like gives a shit. Yeah, it's bad. Sorry, there's a rant. I just had to go on a rant. No, it's just it's complete, completely understandable. It's complete bullshit. It is bullshit. But there is something weird with the with way the that her and her mom speak to each other. Yeah. It's, it is. It's fucking. Yeah. But why would she call the attorney to ask? That's weird. It is. It is. My mom thinks that the parents have something to do with it, too. My mom thinks that they're involved. So, so does half America. Like, so did yeah. her fucking jury. And like, then if they don't, and if they're not, like, if they didn't actively participate, that they helped sort of aid in a bed and aiding and abetting in covering it up a little bit, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. um, my mom thinks that some kind of accident happened, like that it was actually an accident that she died, that no one actually meant to kill her. But then they like all worked to cover it up. Mm -hmm. I think that's like an interesting theory. But it yeah, is. we can get we can get more into that later. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I have some theories that we can get into next episode because it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, August twenty first, two thousand and eight. Casey makes bond. This guy comes forward. His name is Leonard Padilla. He's a bounty hunter. He has a show on National Geographic. And he posts bond for Casey Anthony um, under the, the condition 
that he can send cameras home with her. He thinks she's going to be exonerated. He thinks they're going to find the kid. It's all going to, it's going to turn out like a reality show. And it was basically like a Hollywood producer scoping her from the beginning, being like, yep, we're bringing cameras in there. I'll get you out of jail. We just have to be able to film you. Um, And a lot of those tapes are on YouTube and they are pretty, pretty interesting. Mm. Um, So it's time for Roy Kronk, (laughs) ladies. Okay. Not Roy. Not Kronk like the Emperor's New Groove, but like Kronk like could be Joe Exotic's neighbor. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking about Roy Kronk. Um, A real real country bumpkin Roy Kronk is. He's a Florida man. On August 11th, 2008, he calls the police. He works as a meter man. And he says he's noticed something strange in a wooded area where he stopped to do number one on the side of the road. Hey! So. <laughs> so, but no, this is interesting to me. This is interesting to me because this is just like exactly what happened in the Heyman Lee Adnan case. Exactly. That's literally yes. what happened. Yes. Except with like the Adnan case, he had to go like, far into the woods yes, yes. whatever but, and like, but like what what these these dudes just like pissing and finding yeah, and why was she just found so quickly and easily like that after all those months those two months of searching and all those 4200 people searching people yeah it is it's that's exactly what i thought too carly it's just like cereal mm-hmm. um so he calls the cops they direct him to call the tip line, which he did, and he received no call back. So the next day he calls what again. What are they doing? And this time he does speak to an officer and Kronk explains, listen, I think I found a skull and a next to a gray bag in this wooden no area. No bag. And Kronk says that the officer was rude to him and that they went out there and they only conducted a basic search and they found nothing. How, 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 the, how, he just stumbles over to pee and he finds this, but the search prior and the search now that he's brought to their attention, they don't find anything. They gotta be looking in the wrong spot. They gotta be like. They just got to be, they got to be doing the least amount of work possible. Yeah. And look at just in the wrong vicinity, like just in, just literally facing in the wrong direction. Just That's all. Like, like, like hairless. I can't. Um, so a few months go by and Roy Kronk doesn't hear anything. And he says, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm going out there myself, and I'm gonna look again and see. I'm gonna if, go out there my damn self. I'm going out there my damn self and see if they picked up anything or if anything's different. So on December 11th of 2008, he goes back to his roadside piss spot, and <laughs> sure enough, there's there. what looks like a skull and a gray bag. 
Now here is where we stop liking Roy Kronk very much because this is a example of exactly what not to do if you find a dead body. Yes. He takes a stick and he pokes at what looks like a skull and he finds that the eye socket is visible. So he puts the stick in the eye socket and lifts it up. So he raises this tiny skull mm. up in the air to reveal itself and it's a skull and it's staring right at him and he gets spooked and drops it. <gasps> Come on, dude. Fucking fucker. He cared so much to call, to call again, to go out there, to go back later. And then the motherfucker has to, to pick mess it, up. it up. Come on. It's just, yeah, just don't do that. All right, listeners, the next time that you stumble on a dead body, don't, don't just, just don't touch, touch it. it. Don't throw away the bag of garbage with it. Smells like death in the car also. Still, just, I'm still mad about that too. Just <laughs> please. We don't need any assistance in not having any evidence. You know what I mean? Like, like so don't many, like, fucking touch shit. Keep your fingers to yourself. Put them up your, your fingers nose. to yourself. Wear, we don't wear care. a mask and wash your hands. Damn it. <laughs> so uh again Roy Kronk calls the police and this time everybody comes out because Roy Kronk says found a skull I picked it up you know what I mean it just so everybody's out everybody goes there and they do find a skull and they do find a gray bag and they do find a lot more remains and on December 19th of 2008 the examination conducted by the medical examiner confirms that the remains found were sweet two-year-old Kaylee Marie Anthony. Kaylee was found 19 feet from the road and less than 0.2 miles from the Anthony home. And that is the end of tonight's episode, ladies. Wow. We'll pick back up next week with the trial, the acquittal, the aftermath, where fucking what sort of War rage. What kind of bog Casey Anthony crawled out of? We're gonna tell her whole backstory and uh, talk and about how we want to punch her right in the freaking face, the cooter, the boobs, the shoulders, the backside. <laughs> I want to punch her in the back of the head, right in the side of the ear, and the shoulders, in her ass, on yeah. her knee, in her shins. I'd like <laughs> to punch her right in her feet, in her toes. <laughs> just that oh. just that disappearance and investigation is like nothing I have ever like even heard of in life in the world seriously it's really oh. tragic it's really infuriating she it's, probably makes she makes me really really mad oh she isn't it so, so crazy though that she's like she is kind of an Amanda Knox type she tweeted, um, I think it was yesterday, and she oh, said, no. whatever happens, the next four years can't be as bad as that four-year study I, abroad I did to Italy, right? No. Yeah. And she has been oh, roasted. She wow. has been oh, I roasted on Twitter. What and the she fuck had the kind goal, of comment is that? 
And then she had the gall to reply to the people roasting and hating on her. Look, guys, like we all need a little bit of humor. If anyone is able to joke about it, it's me because I'm the one who had to deal with all this shit. And then like someone was like, dude, Amanda, your roommate was murdered, man. Why would you say something like that? Like even, uh, yeah, her roommate was murdered, but like even like everyone even tangentially attached to that is like fucking traumatized. Traumatized. She's not. But what's worse is that, okay, yes, she did get like dogged and she got roasted. But actually, a lot of people like liked the tweet. Like oh thousands God. of people liked the tweet. Oh yeah, you like, know she's. Oh come on, you know she's just like a one of the one of the serial killer boys with their fans. She's probably got a shit ton of them. She's probably got a mm-hmm. bunch of people that love her. Mm-hmm. She's a fucking hot mess and a half. She I don't know what's going on. She's like, she's a very pretty girl, but I don't know what she's doing. She looks like she crawled out of a fucking yurt. Yes. <laughs> she, she looks like she crawled out of a sweat lodge. Like it's, it's years ago. <laughs> a yurt. She a does. Yurt. The yurt is good. I like the yurt. <laughs> she crawled out of a sweat lodge five years ago. <laughs> Oh she does. She, I don't know what's happening. Oh, oh I would love to cover her though, Quinny. I think that's such yes, a good idea. please. She's such please a freak. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, Quinnies. Okay, okay Quinn. See you next week for more of this fucking lady. This bitch. Everyone right, sucks. Quinnies. Love you. See you next love week. You. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.